In today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, I'll talk about what it means to expand your influence as a dad. But first, I want to thank my friends over at Make a Fort for sponsoring today's episode. One of the key indicators to me as a dad that I've purchased a good Christmas gift for my kids is the fact that they're still playing with it weeks later. Literally, as I record this episode, my kids are upstairs building a fort using the Make a Fort kits from makeafort.fun. When Layla and I are searching for good gifts to give our kids, we have three things that we look for. Number one, does the toy require batteries? I hate batteries. (laughs) I hate replacing them. I hate uh, all the noises that battery-operated toys create. I just don't want anything with batteries in the house. I want my kids to use toys that don't require them. Number two, does it require my children to use their imagination? I want to get them toys that require them to think, not toys that do the thinking for them. And number three, I know it's a good toy when it can capture their attention for hours on end. This is why I love the forts that the Make-A-Fort company provides. Their forts are made from durable cardboard. They can be used over and over again. They can be configured countless ways so your kids can create something new every time. And it's easily cleaned up and stored with their provided carrying case when not in use. If you're wanting to get your kids off screens and allow them to be creative with their imagination, you must check out makeafort.fun. Right now, for a very limited time, you can get $5 off your purchase by going to makeafort.fun forward slash dad tired. Again, we'll put that link in the show notes, but it's makeafort.fun forward slash dad tired, and you'll get $5 off your fort kit right now. This week, I was teaching my kids how to properly shake someone's hand, and it brought up a very vivid memory for me. I had this like flashback, very vivid flashback. I remember being around eight or nine years old, and my mom had taken me to church. I think she was just uh, desperate for me to, she was a single mom, and she just needed some help. So she, <laughs> she took me to church, and uh, so I was, I'd gone to church for the first time. I'm this timid young boy trying to figure out my place in this world. And I remember this guy came up to me. He had to be about six and a half feet tall, just this big man. And he comes up to me and he just walks up to me and he puts his hand out for me to shake it. And I was super intimidated. So I just stared at the floor while I sheepishly put my hand in his. And he immediately said, nope, that won't work. Give me a good handshake. Uh, So I squeezed a little tighter. And then he said, now look me in the eye, tell me your name. And uh, so I looked up and I I remember he was just so big, man. He was just a giant guy. And I was so timid and I remember telling him my name while I squeezed his hand and he wasn't being mean or like overly aggressive. He was just trying to teach me the kinds of things that confident men do. Uh, That, that man, his name's Steve. He actually went on to offer me my first job. He spent years uh, of his life really investing into me. He had his own sons and he was doing his own thing, but he really brought me in and taught me a lot of things. And as I sat there thinking about Steve, uh, a bunch of other guys started to come to mind, like my youth pastor, Caleb, who taught me what a real apology sounds like. Uh, or my friend Michael's dad, who taught me not only how to play drums, but how to serve in church, to like show up on time, to not be the star of the show, to listen more than I speak, or to randomly make noise. Or I thought about my boss, Bill, who taught me how to negotiate with kindness and firmness at the same time. Or I had this mentor, Monty, who uh, taught me what it looks like to say hard things in love. That was so foreign to me. I'd never experienced that as a kid, especially from a man. Uh, Discipline always felt like somebody didn't love me. And he really showed me that discipline and love, they aren't two separate things, but they're actually one and the same. And all these men that really like took me in, I was was taken back 
honestly, man, I had this like flood of memories in this, at the same time, this flood of like emotions because I thought to myself, man, I am who I am today because of these men. I wouldn't be the guy I am today. I wouldn't be the kind of father I am, the husband, the disciple or leader that I am if these guys didn't bring me into their fold. They all had their own kids. They were all doing their own thing, had their own jobs, had their own like, you know, problems that they were figuring out in their own marriages and all that stuff that they're, they're working on in their own lives. And yet in some way they sacrificed to bring me into their lives and to teach me what it looked like to be a man. I didn't have a dad growing up and they brought me in to teach me these things. And I was, as I was thinking about them, man, I was like really brought back to these motions. Cause honestly, I, I, to say just frankly, I suck at this kind of thing. Reflecting. I, I suck at reflecting. Like I'm not good at looking back to like taking the time to pause and to reflect back on my life and my childhood. I think some of that has to do with my God given wiring just to be a dreamer And, uh, you know, I want to look forward to exciting things that lie ahead, but also I don't like looking back because I, I know that there's part of me that, you know, behind me is pain. I think there's a part of me that knows when I look back, I'm going to find pain. I'm going to find shame. I'm going to find insecurity. And so it's just easier for me to look forward, but there was power for me in looking back, even healing. Honestly, it was humbling for me to recognize that these men went out of their way to pour into my life in some way. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure, dude, like the kind of personality you are, uh, how God's wired you, but I highly encourage you to stop for a minute and to think about the guys that have poured into you. For a lot of you, I know that it was your dad. Like you, a lot of you guys had your dads around and uh, he was the driving influencer in your life as a man. He was the one that helped shape you to become a man. But I know there are also a lot of you guys who are like me who didn't have a dad around or maybe your dad was around physically, but he just, he wasn't that like a role. He wasn't intentionally shaping you to be a godly man. And so when you think about your own life, your own childhood, when you think about these guys who help shape you, like who comes to mind, even right now, as I'm talking, is there a particular guy that sticks out to you in your head? Because the truth is, even if your dad was around and he was engaged in your childhood, it still takes a village to raise a child. And so who was in your village? Like who, what, what guy brought you into his circle in some way to help shape you? Who, who would you look back on and say, I am the man I am today because this guy or these guys really poured into me. I was reading Romans this week and something struck me in a way that it hadn't before. It's crazy, man, how you can like read the Bible multiple times or the same verse multiple times, but somehow when you read it again, you feel like you're reading it for the first time. And this happened to me. I was reading this verse in Romans and just hit different. Listen to what this verse says in Romans 9, 22. What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. I will call her my beloved who is not my beloved. And in the very place where I said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Dude, this is incredible. This hit me out of nowhere. I've read this verse a hundred times and this hit me so different this week. I don't know if you caught that, man, but the writer of Romans is essentially saying this. God is showing off his glory and his mercy, not only to his chosen people, his children, the Jews, but also to us, the Gentiles. 
us random guys who aren't part of the quote-unquote holy lineage have been brought into the fold of God. God expanded the circle to include people who should have never been included. He expanded his circle to include you and me. To put it more bluntly, the reason you and I are even here today as followers of Jesus is because God made a tremendous sacrifice to bring you into his family. He expanded his circle to include you. Dude, that is really, really good news. And here's the thing. It isn't just good news that God brought you into a circle and he called you his son, but it's also that he's helping you grow as a mature follower in him. I want you to ask yourself this right now. As a son of God who's been brought into the family of God, are you growing in spiritual maturity? And I know, dude, I know that's a tough question to answer, honestly. Like if if somebody asked me that question right now, I'm I don't even know if I'd know the, how to answer that. <laughs> but try not to overcomplicate it. Think about spiritual maturity in the same way that you would think about your children growing in maturity. When you first have kids, you're just excited that they're part of the family. You're not like when you're, we're about to have a newborn next month. Uh, you know, this will be our fourth child. When when this baby comes, and she's gonna be up all night. She's gonna cry every two hours because she wants to eat. We're gonna have to change her diaper. I'm not mad at any of that. <laughs> I'm not like getting mad at her because she's waking up in the middle of the night. You expect this. She's a baby. She knows nothing. She's brand new into the world. And we're just happy she's here. We're just happy to have her part of the family. We rejoice. We have so much joy because she's just part of our family. It doesn't matter like that she doesn't know anything. It doesn't matter that she's going to poop and pee in her diaper and then she's going to wake up in the middle of the night. She doesn't know how to sleep through the night. She doesn't know how to eat properly. She doesn't know how to do any of this stuff. It doesn't matter. We're just happy she's here. But eventually, you know, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, if she's pooping and peeing her pants, <laughs> waking up every two hours, we've got a problem, right? Like we want her to mature. We want her to grow in maturity. Eventually she will grow through the season. Uh, she'll, she'll get to the point in her life where she learns how to use the restroom, where she learns how to eat on her own. She learns how to have manners. And then she'll go through this, like she'll go through this season. All your kids do this where they're very selfish. They're trying to figure out who they are and dude, that's okay. Sometimes my son wants to be uh, a soccer professional soccer player, and then yesterday he wanted to be a professional rapper, and then a firefighter, and then my daughter wants to be an artist today, and maybe cut hair tomorrow, and a babysitter the next day. Like they're they're just figuring out who they are, and dude, that's okay. I don't we don't get mad at them. Like oh, you better figure out your life, <laughs> you better figure out who you are and what you want to do. No, it's okay for them to learn, to explore, to like figure out who has God created me to be. What are the personalities and characteristics and unique things that God has given me that make me me? It's okay to look internally. But listen, again, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I don't want them asking those questions. I want them to start to expand their thinking and start to realize, okay, the world is not just about them, but they're part of something bigger. They're part of a bigger family. They're part of a bigger story. And so we want to, our kids to grow and maturity. Eventually, they'll get to the spot as young adults. And when they hit their late teens and 20s, hopefully by that time they realize, okay, God is now using me to be part of something much bigger than myself. And they begin to serve and to give sacrificially. They know who they are. They've learned. They're not ignorant anymore. They're not selfish anymore. They're starting to use the knowledge that they have to recognize that they're part of a much bigger story. And they start to serve in ways that are beyond themselves, right? This is what all of us are hoping for our kids. This is the same thing in spiritual maturity, man. If you just think through maturity for your kids, think through the same thing in spiritual maturity. When you first come to know Jesus, 
when you make a decision and God brings you in and you say, I'm following Christ, I believe Jesus is God. As hard as that is, it's like crazy as it sounds, is that, you know, I've got so many questions in my head, but I'm tr- I believe Jesus is God. I believe he is who he says he was. When you make that decision, dude, it's, there's so much, like, we're just happy to have you here. We're just happy that you've made that choice, that you're part of the family, that God's brought you in. Like nobody's getting mad at you because you don't know all the lingo and you don't have Bible verses memorized. Who cares? Like it's just, um, we're just stoked that you're here, man. We're just stoked that you've made that decision. Don't feel guilty about that. Eventually you'll go through a really selfish stage uh, in your spiritual maturity. Again, okay. (laughs) That's totally okay, man. You're going to be asking yourself like, you know, what does it look like for me to pray? And what kind of church do I like to go to? And what kind of Bible should I get? And you're just, you're, you're like learning. It's kind of all about you. Well, I think I like this kind of music and I, I like this kind of teaching and uh, I like this version of the Bible, like all that. That's okay. That's totally okay. But eventually what it looks like to grow in spiritual maturity is you'll start to recognize God didn't just save you. It's not that, that there's just like Christians and non-Christians and that's it. Like now that you're a Christian, you just like wait till you die. No, God is growing you up in spiritual maturity. And so as you grow, you become more, you have more knowledge of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. You kind of move past this selfish stage, which again, that selfish stage is okay for a little bit. But as you move past that and you start to recognize, oh man, like God is redeeming the whole world. He's doing something way bigger. This story is bigger than just me, my personal relationship with God and my own little family. Like God is using me or wants to use me for something much, much bigger. And this is when you know that you're starting to mature in Christ, that God is now using you for something bigger. You, you're having eyes that are beyond yourself. So where am I going with all this? I know I've been like talking a lot and it seems maybe like I've been going all over the place. Let me just get straight to the point. The reason you and I are here today is because God expanded his family to include you. That's what that verse was saying. You were not my people and now you're children of the living God. You were not my beloved, but now you are my beloved. You were not my people, but now you are my people. God did not have to call you into his family. He had his people. Unless you come from the the lineage of Abraham, unless you're part of the Jewish people uh, that you know has claimed now Jesus as your savior, unless that's your lineage, dude, God didn't like you weren't part of it. <laughs> and God expanded it out to not just include his children, the Jews but also us Gentiles, this ragamuffin people that have been called and saved by Jesus. God has expanded his family to include you. You weren't part of his family, and yet he made a huge sacrifice for you to be adopted in. Many of us have been on this dad journey for a little while now. We've got some kids. We're learning how to stumble our way towards spiritual leadership. We're trying our best to mature and to grow as a disciple. And I guess I'm just wondering If God is calling some of us to expand our circle, to invite others who aren't part of our family in, I am the man I am today because God invited me into his family, but I'm also the man I am today because a lot of other guys invited me into their family as well. If you were to read the Bible cover to cover, front to back, you would quickly realize that God has a heart for a lot of people, but he has a special place in his heart for orphans, widows, and foreigners. These phrases come up over and over and over again in the scriptures. You can't read the Bible without recognizing, man, God like really loves and he cares for and he has a heart for the orphans, the widows, and the foreigners. It comes up so much in the Bible. And maybe 
spiritual maturity isn't just memorizing more verses or tithing more and listening to more K-Love. Maybe spiritual maturity means that your heart starts to look more like the heart of God. This is probably why James says in James 1.27, religion that is pure and faultless in the eyes of God is this. Listen, anytime a writer says, this is what God accepts as pure religion, we should probably listen. <laughs> listen to what he says. Religion that is pure and faultless in the eyes of God is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Here's what I want you to ask yourself right now. Who is not part of your family that needs the love and influence of a godly man. A lot of you guys have been part of the dad tired community for a long time, and we're stumbling our way through this stuff. But maybe for all of us, spiritual maturity means that we start to take our eyes off of ourselves for a little bit, and we start to look at the world around us and see where God's heart is hurting and how our heart can start to look more like his. Is there a kid at your church who doesn't have a dad? What single moms do you know that need help? What kids around you, in your neighborhood, on your street, at your kid's school that are fatherless? Who comes to mind? Here's the thing, bro. The the world isn't going to be impressed by our fancy lingo, our eloquent words. They they won't be won over by political policies or extravagant church services with cool lights and fog machines and cool music. But you know what I think might get the world's attention? You know what I think might make them stop and look twice at Christians? Seeing thousands of men from around the world saying, not only am I going to lay down my life for my own kids, but also for the kids who don't have a dad. Maybe then the world might get a glimpse of our father because what is the father like? What is this God like that we serve? His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. He's the father to the fatherless, the defender of the widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. Psalm 68.5. As a man who is stumbling forward in spiritual leadership, what would it look like for you to expand your influence to the fatherless? Who do you need to sacrificially bring into your fold the way that God sacrificially brought you into his? I want you to know, man, that this is my prayer and my focus for the Dad Tired community in 2021. I want us so badly to be a community of men who are not only leading our families well, but also stepping into the giant need of fatherlessness in the world. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not exactly sure what it looks like right now, but I just want to invite you in to join me in prayer. Let's fast together. Let's dream together as a community of men. There's thousands of us, dude. Imagine if thousands of us just pray about this, dream about this, and then begin to ask God, God, what would it look like for us to not just lead our families well, but to start to love on the kids who don't have dads. Dude, I just have a feeling that that would bring a lot of light to a very dark reality. The truth is you and I were fatherless and God brought us in. May we be men who bring in the fatherless around us as well. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. If you haven't signed up for our family leadership program, we would love to have you part of that. You can go to dadtire.com forward slash lead and sign up today. See you guys next week.